Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, March 4th, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo. With me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts, George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series, addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. Okay, everybody, good morning. It's been a difficult week so far for obvious reasons. So let's start with a quick recap of economic data, how that leads into probably the most informative Fed commentary that we've had that's been outside of an official open market committee meeting. For clarity purposes, we'll revisit that. And then we'll obviously have a pretty lengthy dialogue on what's going on with Ukraine and Russia because it's fairly important for obvious uh, reasons. Uh, So first and foremost, Non-farm payrolls came out up 678,000 for February, including revisions of 92,000 for December and January. So that was very positive. The unemployment rate overall at about 3.8%, down a little bit from previous readings, and also closer to the 3.5% pre-pandemic level that we've been watching all along. And then certainly labor force participation rate was pretty healthy. Initial claims from Thursday, 215,000, again, still very low and continue to be below the pre-pandemic level of an average of about 256,000. So overall, pretty strong, and I think that's why it's important from an economic data perspective that Jay Powell feels very comfortable with his comments and the direction that the Fed is going to take next month. Uh, When we talk about the March 16th, actually it's this month, March 16th, Federal Market Committee meeting, but we also had some really good commentary from his congressional testimony. So Panel, what do you think from the perspective of what that all means in terms of where the Fed is heading and the underlying strength of the economy in the U.S.? George, we'll start with you. Sure, Brian. You know, I think it's uh, it's important to note that these numbers obviously came out um, or maybe capture period just prior to the invasion in Ukraine. So you might have to take them with a little bit of grain of salt, but um, it can't be denied that the U.S. economy anyway is really exhibiting a ton of momentum right now. You mentioned that employment gains have been really strong um, the last couple of months, have, I think averaging a couple uh, hundred thousand. And uh, we've now got the unemployment rate close to a new, uh, not a new low, but a new cycle low at uh, just under 4%. Incomes are, are, are rising along with that. You mentioned wages. I think wages were up you know, 5% or so year over year. And you know, we've seen other, um, you know, other parts of the economy doing quite well also. Um, you know, housing continues to be really very robust, despite the fact that mortgage rates have, have ticked up a little bit. Um, you're even seeing pickup demand in some of the airline and travel sectors. Um, so you're really starting to see kind of a, a pretty much of a reopening of the economy that are probably kind of carryovers from the uh, the Omicron situation at the end of last year into uh, the first part of 2022. So notwithstanding a really terrible humanitarian crisis that we're all having to watch every day and, and certainly react to, uh, the economy is really exhibiting a ton of momentum. And that's also broad-based. Um, there's a survey we often don't talk about called ISM. The uh, uh, It's kind of an indicator of just general economic activity. And essentially anything above 50 suggests that economies are expanding. 
Anything below 50 suggests the economies are contracting. And I think uh, I saw someone that suggested that 93% of the world's economies are expanding right now. So yeah, there's gonna be some slowdown in growth because of, of the Ukraine situation. Uh, of course, it's a terrible, terrible humanitarian crisis, but I think economically, you know, at least in the United States, um, I think we're kind of weathering the storm so far, but it's early days and we'll have to see how that plays out. But in terms of what it means for the Fed, we'll have to get Rajiv's thought in a second, but I was really struck by the fact that um, he was, he was very forthright about his testimony. Uh, I think it was the first time I can remember ever that a Fed chairman came out and said he's what he's going to do. I mean, he pretty much told us he's going to support a move. I think he said, I'm inclined to raise rates by 25 basis points or one quarter of 1%. That's somewhat uncharacteristic that he would show his cards that, uh, that cleanly, but it's clear that the Fed uh, needs to raise interest rates and uh, they're willing to do so. But that was my take on it, Rajiv. What do you think of it? Uh, very interesting take, George. And I, and I agree. I think that... Uh... You know, on Wednesday when uh, Petra Powell came out and delivered his testimony, I mean, all eyes are were on, is he going to signal something? I think he did beyond signaling something. He fairly stated it clearly that he was supporting 25 base point rate hike in March. It pretty much took off the table right then and there, the 50 basis point camp. Uh, the probability that we've seen that 50 basis points, that went down from 55% to practically nothing. Uh, so people are looking for a 25 basis point hike in March. Uh, Fed Chair Powell pointed to inflation over 2%. He pointed to strong labor market. So all of these fit the narrative that we should do something and the Fed should do something. Uh, the point is clear. The Fed is focused on inflation. Um, they did give a nod to the conflict in Ukraine. It's definitely on the Fed's radar. They look at geopolitical tensions, uh, but they don't think that the tensions there should support um, the Fed kind of easing off or not uh, removing some of this accommodative uh, policy that they have. It's going to keep them steady and, and go forward. But they did say that they will be nimble. And this uh, the Ukraine conflict definitely feeds into their the nimbleness that they want to act with uh, going forward. Uh, we immediately saw a yield curve reaction to it, too. Uh, some very big moves on the yield curve uh, right during the testimony and then after. This week has been a tremendous week. If you look at the yield curve, uh, we saw steepening halfway through the week. Then we saw flattening yesterday. And today we're seeing steepening again on the yield curve. If you just look at the two-year alone, we ended last week on the two-year at 1.6%. By midweek this week, we were dipped down to below 1.3%, and now we're back at 1.5%. So you're looking at swings in the two-year, which we haven't seen in a, <laughs> these kind of swings in a very long time. Uh, you're dropping 30 basis points and then picking up 20 basis points. You don't see moves like that in the front end of the curve. Uh, that is why geopolitical tensions matter. Safe haven plays are still in supporting the uh, U.S. Treasury market. If we look at the 10-year, again, we dipped below 1.7, went back to 1.9%. Now we're back at 1.7%. I would think that uh, treasuries are likely to keep a bid today, given all this escalation in Russia, uh, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. I think that there's going to be uh, a lot of movement in the treasury market. There's going to be a supportive bid of the treasury market as a safe haven asset. Uh, but investors are still anticipating a flattening of the yield curve because uh, the Fed is in motion and we escalated, uh, we expect uh, rate hikes less, uh, this year. Yeah, you, I'm glad you really mentioned some of the volatility. We often talk about stock market volatility because I think most investors are, are pretty accustomed to seeing stocks behave uh, somewhat um, in a volatile fashion from time to time. But we have we got that in spades in the uh, the bond market this this past week, which really was quite remarkable as far as I could tell. But uh, in terms of volatility, I, I guess, Steve, I'll turn it over to you. I mean, one thing that uh, we should probably remember is that uh, Vladimir Lenin once said that there are decades when nothing happens and there are weeks when decades happen. And we probably got that in spades again this, uh, this past week as well, particularly in the commodities market. We don't often don't spend a lot of time talking about commodities, but certainly a ton of volatility uh, was experienced in commodities, more so on the upside. 
Uh, what's your, what was your take on that? Well, I agree with you, George. When you look at the volatility, I mean, the, the, it's funny, but bond market volatility has actually jumped more than equity market volatility has in the last week. It's been kind of uh, interesting to watch. And then when we see what's going on in the commodities markets, really the, the moves are, are, are unprecedented. I know we've used that word a lot in the last couple of years to describe market events, it seems like. But truly what's going on right now has no, um, has no comparable. Uh, you know, when we look at what's going on, basically across the board in every commodity market, the world is having to price in levels that destroy demand in order to rebalance the less available supply of having to remove Russia from the global market, at least temporarily. You know, whether they are able to, to come back in and, and, and sell if we get some type of a resolution to the conflict or we get uh, a reorienting of global supply chains with Russian supply heading east to China and other things being reoriented back to the West. Uh, all that takes time um, and it, there, there are costs involved to it and we're, we're pricing in that demand destruction now. Um, my real, the, the, the really interesting thing to me here this week with these economic numbers you talked about is clearly heading into the U Ukraine-Russia crisis, uh, we were in an inflationary boom, uh, whether it's just here in the U.S. or on a global basis. Uh, that, to me, was the clear signal of the numbers that we saw. The, the employment numbers, fantastic. Inflation numbers running hot, inflationary boom. Um, and my question going forward is going to be whether this commodity price shock tips over the growth piece of that into a more of a stagflationary environment where we lose the growth, but we still keep the inflation. Yeah, that would not be a, a good outcome. And, um, and I think it remains to be seen if that could be persistent, right? I mean, you could, you've seen some of these spikes higher in commodity prices makes, makes me wonder if they, um, at some point they just kind of collapse into their own weight. I mean, we're probably a bit away from that. But um, you know, you're right to point out the fact that growth is slowing. In fact, I think there's a survey that the Atlanta Federal Reserve puts out that uh, tries to calculate where where economic growth is at one time, and it's it's fallen. It's not uh, it's not contracting, but again, the momentum, as you pointed out, has uh, has really started to slip a little bit. And the other thing too that really caught my eye this week, and I'd love to hear what Rajiv has to say about this, is both. Uh, while we've seen equity markets kind of stabilize a little bit, although they're a little bit weaker this morning. Um, really what we've seen that's caught my eye is the move higher in CDX. And I don't just mean high yield CDX, but also investment grade. It's been grinding higher this week, even as equity markets had bounced. So it's kind of sending a contrary signal right now. Rajiv, what do you think about what's going on in CDX? Uh, great question there, Steve. I mean, I've been looking at that as well, and it is giving a contrary signal to the equity market. Any stability that we see in the equity market, uh, we don't see that relay in the CDX market. The CDX market seems to be going in one direction, and that's higher, uh, which is unsettling because it's a signal towards risk markets. So there is a, a, a difference in signaling there. I'm trying to see whether that type of reaction is being seen in our you know, corporate bond spread market, which is cash markets, and we're not seeing the same level of movement there either. So something's being signaled there, and generally I think that's associated with the volatility that we're seeing in the market. It's beyond the uh, the range that we've been looking at, Steve. You and I have seen uh, charts before, and that's very unsettling as well. So that's going to be something that's going to really be important going forward. It's been important. Uh, we, I think we've got accustomed to looking at CDX as not a leading indicator because default rates have been so low, uh, but I think it's a leading indicator again, and we've got to keep an eye on that one. Steve, maybe a question for you. And with all due respect to the significant tragedy for the Ukrainian citizens, obviously that's paramount. From an investment perspective, 
for exposure to Russian stocks and those that might be investing in emerging markets, there was a recent article or news update that the index providers were going to write down their positions in Russian stocks, which represents approximately 3% of the overall emerging markets index. So what are your thoughts from the perspective of what you're seeing from the individual stocks and our overall trends with what's happening that might affect investors here in the U.S.? Well, it's really uh, it's really hard to say. I mean, at the end of the day, index providers are are doing what they're they're doing. It's kind of like an additional sanction because they're removing the Russian stocks from from global indices at zero percent or zero zero weights. They're essentially marking the market to zero. Um, yeah, I think that, that that effectively what you'll have is anybody who owns Russian stocks is going to be kind of stuck in stasis until this situation uh, fixes itself. And that includes ETF holders, uh, institutional investors uh, here that own international equities that have an allocation to Russian stocks. Um, we'll just have to wait and see how it, how it plays out. Essentially, you have a call option that has been marked to zero. It doesn't cost you anything. It's already, it's already a sunk cost, and we'll see how it goes. You know, to me, the real interesting thing about this is when you look at how this how we're going to see things evolve for equity investors going forward. Uh, the biggest impact of, of this whole situation to me, uh, as I think about it, is, is the potential to see equity multiples compress a bit more than what we've seen here lately. Obviously, we've been under pressure because rates have been rising. But if you look structurally, uh, we really collected a, a premium over the last 20 to 30 years from having the U.S. be the preeminent global superpower. It was a unipolar world. That's a less risky environment when you're in a unipolar world. Um, and it seems to me that the real knock-on impact from what we're seeing here is that whether it's China and Russia or China uh, alone, uh, we're clearly moving back to either a multipolar or a bipolar world. And that increases risk. And if you increase risk, that means multiples need to compress. So I think that there's going to be a bit of pressure on equities uh, irrespective of, of a simple or a quick resolution to the situation that's going on right now in Ukraine. George, do you have any other thoughts from an overall economic perspective globally and what we're thinking about from an investment strategy perspective? Well, I think it's important uh, to recognize what Steve talked about in terms of the, the um, longer term forecast and longer term outlook um, in terms of maybe where rates uh, are kind of moving higher, interest rates moving higher, at the same time uncertainty is, is really escalated. And so with those two things combined, again, it's not, it's, it's not unreasonable to say that, that stock prices and valuations need to be re-rated lower. Um, so that's, that's certainly the case. And that's kind of where I think the stock market is trying to, uh, trying to figure out where to go. Um, there are some things that, that could still you know, turn out to be um, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, optimistic or bullish in terms of you know, the fact that earnings have stayed pretty strong so far. Um, and then longer term, I think it's it's interesting to see. I've read a couple of articles that have talked about how how this conflict might end, and you know some certain scenarios are are somewhat dire um, that we probably need not talk about. But um, I think one thing that's would, would surprise people on the the positive side of the ledger is just how much um, unity there's been. Um, not only on the ground amongst uh, Ukrainian nationals and uh, the, hero the heroism that they've actually displayed in trying to uh, keep their country intact has been nothing truly remarkable. I think it's surprised uh, Russian troops to some extent, uh, but also you've seen a tremendous amount of unity 
with, uh, with respect to sanctions and, and the NATO countries as well. I think a few years ago, that relationship seemed a bit frayed, uh, but I think it's been, the resolve has actually kind of strengthened a bit. And so I think for that reason, not to say that it ends well, but I think it does suggest that maybe there's some cooperation that could come from this that could be good over time. So we'll have to see how that plays out, but more that's a, a longer term, perhaps you know, half, half, uh, half full kind of outlook, but uh, I don't think we can dismiss it either. Makes sense, George. Thanks a lot for ending on a positive note. And I think that's a good uh, opportunity for us to end the call for today. Thanks to always, George, you, Rajiv, and Steve for your wisdom and sharing it with our audiences today. So we'll take a wrap. Thanks to our listeners for joining us today. And be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or advisor for more information. We'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are offered by Key Bank National Association, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Key ba private bank and key bank institutional advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services LLC or KISS, member FINRA, SIPC, and SEC registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency USA or KIA. KIS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2021.